let's love him together. I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be in your house this morning for life and strength and good health, heaven's many blessings, the mighty healing hand of God that's in our lives, divine protection, the angels surrounding us. Oh, God, thank you for this truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, I would like to turn your attention to the book of Psalms. And it's a beautiful day to be in God's house, I can tell you that. A lot of people that wish they could be in God's house today instead of where they're at, the circumstances they find themselves in. Psalm 29. Psalm 29, beginning with verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verse 3, watch as we pick up a word now. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Everybody said praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I want to work for a little while this morning on what voice are you listening to? You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The very first book of the Bible being the book of Genesis or Origins and of course it tells us how that uh, God created everything, and that's a, a good thing for us to know and to respect. There's so much uh, controversy, and that controversy comes about from people who approach things with an unbelieving heart, mind, and attitude. If you uh, approach the Word of God with a humility, uh, things will be a lot clearer a lot clearer. And uh, you know the Lord, the Bible teaches, is the author of peace. Things that you can do, things that you can get yourself involved with, they're going to bring 
confusion if they're absent of God. If you just start embroiling yourself and getting yourself meddling into so many different things, philosophies and rudiments of this world and people's ideas and thinkings that are not inspired of God and his power and his presence. And they, uh, they wind up in confusion. And believe me, you don't want to be involved with confusion. You want to have, what I said, this peace of God. Let this voice of God bring the peace of God to your heart and to your life. And everybody said amen. For God to be able to speak to you and calm the troubled waters of your mind in a world that is troublesome, in a world that is, Jesus made it clear in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21, and he did speak about end time things, and he brought answers to questions that they had. What is the sign of thy coming? The end of the world. What are these things going to take place? And of course, Jesus answered them, not chronologically, but he did answer them. And uh, when shall certain things be? And some of it had to do with the destruction of Israel at that time, but or of Jerusalem. But what I want you to note is that in the midst of all of that, Jesus made it clear there would be tribulation. There would be wars. There would be rumors of wars. There would be famines and pestilence, and there would be earthquakes in different places. So it, it gives you a picture of how the lowercase g God of this world, who blinds the minds of people, lest at any time, they should see the glory that shines in the face of the man Christ Jesus. Lest at any time that they should get to experience this great peace of God that he longs to give to you in a warring world, in a troublesome world, in a hateful world. People that are just driven by spirits or attitudes uh, teachings and philosophies and words and beliefs that trouble the waters and that make trouble everywhere, stirring up people to where they're angry, they're mad, and these things do not come of the Lord. The Lord brings peace, I'm trying to tell you. The Lord brings a calmness and a tranquility, and he begins to smooth things out in people's lives, even to the point that in Genesis chapter 1, and a great precedent was set, an example was set initially, and that is that the Lord looked at planet Earth, and he saw that it was chaotic. It was filled with all kinds of upheaval, and uh, it, was, it was boiling frying bacon and stewing. And he looked at it, and he said, well, it's time for me to move. And God's Spirit began to move. 
upon the face of the deep, the Scripture said. And in so doing, God began to speak, and as he spoke, he began to bring peace. One of the reasons that he brought, how he brought peace was he brought order to a disorderly situation. I have said this many times to people, that the thing that people need the most is the thing they fight the most. And that is God's divine authority and power. If you will let God rule, one place said let the peace of God rule in your heart, that's your mind, that's the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions. If you will let God's peace begin to rule in your heart, in your mind, then you're going to find out that he's going to start setting things in order. God looked at a darkened world, and the Bible did even talk about darkness that would be a gross darkness. It would be a hard, callousing darkness. People would find themselves, uh, if you please, just encased in a hardness. And, um, but the Lord, the Lord's Spirit begins to move. He begins to speak. And he says, let there be light. And there's light. He brings to us in the time in which we live, he brings marvelous light. His marvelous light. When you step out of the Old Testament, go through, travel through four centuries of silence, they hadn't heard from God. And that was a very sad and a very scary thing. Certainly made for darkness and trouble. But at the end of those four centuries, prophecy began to be fulfilled that God had given in the book of Malachi. And he said, I'm going to send forth my messenger before my face. And this was speaking of John the baptizer. The disciples asked later on, what about the prophecy? What about the scripture that tell about Elias, him going to come? And he said, I tell you, he's going to come. He's already come. And that was John the baptizer he was referring to. John the baptizer who came to turn people's hearts in the right direction to get the, a change in their heart. There are people that are so spoiled. There are people that have been so indulged, given everything they wanted, always getting their way, that they, they don't know how to get along in life except everything is being given them has to be given to them. Everything has to be the way they want it. And this, this is a disorder. This brings a great difficulty and a darkness in their hearts, and they're not even aware of it. They become, the phrase, spoiled rotten. And the Bible did say, beware lest any man spoil you. Spoil you. You know, the enemy is called in the Scripture the spoiler. Just another one of those titles that were give, was given to him. And he is a spoiler. He doesn't want life to be good for you. He doesn't want you to go to heaven. He doesn't want you to spend eternity 
where there'll be no sickness, where there'll be no sorrow, where there'll be no suffering, where there'll be no pain. As a matter of fact, where he won't be, where he won't be to bring bad feelings and fights and strifes, hatred, he, he won't be there. You know, the Bible teaches that God's going to send an angel and he's going to shut the devil up. I like that. He's going to shut him up. I told some of our Jamaican folks that I wanted them. There's an old song, and I'd like to get the words to it, but it had something to do with putting the devil out and shut the door and don't let the devil in. And that's what we want to do. And we want to help you to do that. And the way that's going to happen is you've got to hear and obey that voice of God. That's the voice you want to listen to. The voice that's going to speak peace. Now peace is going to come not by indulging you. Not by giving you whatever you want. Not by letting you have your way all the time. Okay? And sometimes people run from the preacher. Sometimes people swing their head the other way. And very often, they will be attacked by a spirit that will give them bad thoughts, bad feelings about the preacher. And I tell you that the Bible said, how beautiful are the feet of him that brings to you the gospel of peace and glad tidings. Jesus said on several occasions, coming up to people in the midst of storms, like the earth, chaotic, upheaval, uh, choppy waters, and boisterous winds, darkness. And Jesus came up to them and he said to them, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. You know, there are some people that are afraid of God. They're afraid of Him. You don't have to be afraid of God if you would tell God you want peace. He said in one place, in the book of Isaiah, He said, come. He said, let us reason together, saith the Lord. The Lord's inviting you to come. He's inviting you to, if you please, sit down at the table of peace. He's inviting you to make peace with Him. You know, the Bible said that it's our sins that separate us from God. And of course, man is hardly born of a woman. And here it is today, Mother's Day. A man is born of a woman. And, he, and yet, just a few seconds, and it, his life is full of trouble. Like sparks going upward. Okay? And you got to realize that God knows that we have an enemy. He, the Bible even talked about him destroying the last enemy. So, in other words, we have more than one enemy. And, uh, and he's aware of that. He's aware of our struggles, just as he looked at the earth and its chaotic state. 
and all of the upheaval and all of the darkness and all of the wind and the ravening seas, raging seas. He is well aware of that and he's aware of the things you go through. He's aware of the cross current of emotions that upset you and cause you to experience a lot of unhappiness. Why can't things go right? Why can't I get you know things the way that I, they should be? Well, I'm telling you, the first order of business is to start listening for that voice of God. Now, he's speaking. He's speaking. Somebody asked one time, how do you know when God is speaking to you? I said, well, how do you know that I'm speaking to you? Well, they said, I hear you. And I said, well, you just need to listen. I said, God is speaking to you more than you realize. But the problem is, is we surround ourselves with a funny word. It's called a cacophony of sounds. It means a whole bunch of different sounds. It's like instruments, and they're getting ready uh, to play. And before they get ready to play, they're all tuning up. You know, and you've got a saxophone, and you've got an oboe, and you've got a tuba, and you've got violins, and you've got flutes, and you've got all kinds of instruments, and they're all tuning up, so they're all, it's just crazy sounds going out until they all begin to play harmoniously. And once they begin to do that, they make beautiful music. And once you and I come to a place to where we say, okay, God, in the beginning, you're right. Your word is right. Your way is right. And so I'm going to stop resisting you. I'm going to stop fighting against you. I'm going to yield to the very thing that I need to yield to, and that is your divine authority. I want you to have your way in my life. I want to listen to your voice. I want to, I want to get cut down on the competing sounds and voices and philosophies and words and ideas of men and man and people and inventions of life. I want to shut some of these things out. You know, there's things in life that, well, just about everything in life can be used for good or for bad. We have instruments up here. They can be used for good, and we do use them for good around here. But those same instruments can be used for bad, and people do use them for bad. There are people that sing, and they use their voice as an instrument, and they use their voice to glorify God. And there are people that sing and use their voice opposite glorifying God. You know, they, they sing about the devil. And they sing about things that are unclean and activate a lot of feelings of the flesh. Things that get people in trouble. That inspire people to go the wrong places and do the wrong things. So the Lord is looking at your world just as he looked at the overall world. And he sees the chaos. He sees the struggle. He sees the difficulty. He sees that which 
is bothering you and troubling you. He's aware of the one place talked about raging waves and foaming out of their own shame. Okay? And God sees all this. And that's why God, who is a spirit, and the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him, who knows everything, that's why he sent an angel one day and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, because I'm giving my name to this child that will be born. And I'm putting the fullness of my power, my deity, in this child. And this child will grow in grace and knowledge up before the Lord as a root out of dry ground. And he will go about doing good. He will heal the sick. He will raise the dead. He will show forth my mighty works. And in so doing, he will speak peace. Even as he comes up on the ship and they're in the storm and there's the water is overflowing the ship and they fear that they're going to sink. I'm sure there's times when you felt like you were going to go under. Times when you felt like this is it. And yet the Lord is there, I'm trying to tell you. And he wants you to look to him. He wants you to listen to him. It is said in one place he wants you to feel after him as some people are just not going to do that until you know their back is so badly against the wall or they are sinking so far down in the miry clay the quicksand and the waters have come up to the place they're about to drown and the Bible did talk about people drowning themselves the things we do to ourselves because, again, we've been very indulged and petted upon and let us have our own way and do our own thing and always making excuses for us. And so we've developed bad patterns, bad habits in our lives. And they, after a while, those patterns harden and it becomes who we are. And then that's where the famous phrase comes about, right? But this is how I roll. You know? Well, some people roll kind of rocky. Some people roll kind of rough. Some people roll in a manner that is disruptive. And one place in the scripture said two individuals found themselves in some rocky places, and as they were rolling, they were cutting themselves. They were hurting themselves. They were bringing their own troubles to themselves by their actions and their activities. And it's important that we wake up. It, is, it does say in your Bible, awake to righteousness. You know, life is passing by. And Pretty soon, you know, you're not 10 or 12 or 15 anymore. You're getting a little older. Life is going by like a rushing torrent of a river. And you're in the, caught up in the rapids of life. And uh, you can find yourself, as the Bible said, when the flood came 
and swept them all away. You can find yourself swept away. You're here one day and it's like you're gone the next. You know, there is an army of people out here that used to come to church, that used to sit on these pews, that used to listen to the songs that were sung and the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Some of them are dead. I know one young man that was here, he was in our school. And he became disobedient. He became very stubborn and hard. And his world got more and more chaotic until one day he was coming from the lake after a night of drinking. And he met with a car wreck. He went straight through the windshield, right out the front of the car and on the ground, dead. Not a chance to say another word. But he sat here. He heard it preached. He heard it taught. He was at one time a partaker of the righteousness and the goodness of God. That's just one of many, many, many examples that I could tell you about. Real life examples. Accounts. I could put names to it. There are people in jail today that used to come to Sunday school. And once they get caught up in that system, it's very difficult to get out of it. It's like they barely get out of jail and a day or two goes by and the next thing you know they're being arrested again. They're back down going through that whole rigmarole again. And their mind gets more and more confused. It gets darker. It gets more chaotic. And they're not, it's getting more difficult to hear that voice because they're listening to so many other voices. This is what you ought to do. This is how you do this. And everybody's got an idea, and everybody's got a scheme, everybody's got a dream, everybody's got an answer to your problem. And I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the answer right, to your problem. Amen. He's the answer. Right. He's the one you need to hear. He's the one you need to submit yourself to. You don't need to turn to the right and turn to the left. You've read in the Bible, no doubt, and you certainly heard it here, how that, again, it's Mother's Day, and how that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth, and how that, after a while, he had Adam to take a little nap, ministered a little NyQuil. <laughs> Adam, maybe that's Godquil, huh? Had him take a little nap, and uh, reached in there, and took a rib out and made a woman out of it. Named her Eve, mother of all living. And how that Adam and Eve were in the garden that God gave them. And God said, I'm, I'm giving you dominion over this garden. You know, God wants you to have control in your life. He doesn't want you to be out of control. He wants you to have guidelines. He wants you to have controls. And he wants to be that voice, his word in your heart and in your life. As he told the children of Israel in one place, he said, I am the Lord thy God, period. And then he said the same thing again. 
And for me, it was like God was just slamming it home. He said, I am the Lord your God. Trying to get that through. Trying to get that through your thick skull. That, hey, I'm God. I've got a name. It's Jesus Christ. And I've come to seek you. And I've come to save you. I'm looking for people that are in trouble. People that have difficulties. People that are struggling. He said, I didn't come to the righteous. I came to the unrighteous. He said, I didn't come to the people that are whole and feeling great. He said, I came to the sick, to the infirm, to those that have difficulties and problems. He said, they're the ones I'm seeking out. He sent his church, and he told them to go out into the highways and the hedges. Church is not the church house. Church is the body of believers, people. And he sent them out in the highways and the hedges to compel people to come to his house and to let it be full. And he's do, doing that because he knows there's people out there that you got problems. And he's trying to say, all day long, I'm figuratively speaking, he said, I've stretched out my hand. And I'm telling you to come. He's saying, come unto me, all you that labor, you're under the load, heavy laden. He said, I want to take away the heavy burden and replace it with something lighter. You know, the devil always wants to make people think that the first thing they should jetson, the first thing they should throw overboard, the first thing they should cut off is anything that has to do with God and his church, which is exactly the wrong thing to do. Exactly the wrong thing to do. But that's what the devil will tell people. And he will make them feel that if, if they could just stop this or stop that or quit doing this or don't do that, that everything will smooth out. And, of course, he'll make a false. I, I was reading in the paper about this guy that made a perfect forgery of money. It was so perfect that it cannot be detected. Uh, it takes a really, really, really expert, specialized person in machinery to detect it. And the money is already in circulation, so it's there. And the financial system has had to absorb it. And uh, I'm saying to you that the enemy, he brings forgery. He brings fake. He brings counterfeit. And he wants to substitute that for the real thing. He wants to get that circulating in your life. He wants you to choose brand X. He wants you to choose the forgery. And he wants to make it, how did Jesus say? said that an enemy went into the field and he sowed tares, which were lookalikes. And it wasn't the real crop, the, the harvest. It was just something that looked like it. They were called tares. He said an enemy did that. An enemy sowed that. While people were busy doing other things, like sleeping or whatever. And in came the enemy. And he began to sow this counterfeit. And don't you understand that I'm telling you, the enemy wants you to have a counterfeit. He doesn't want you to have the real thing. He doesn't want you to have what God is offering you. 
He wants you to, he'd rather you choose anything else. And believe me, he's trying to offer it on every hand. He's trying to get you involved with everything else other than the truth, other than the church, other hearing anything other than the voice of God. He doesn't want you to have that peace of God that rules in a person's heart. He does not want you to experience the peace of God that passeth all understanding. He wants to introduce our young people to every wrong thing and make them feel like, oh boy, now I'm really cool. I really know some things now. And all you're knowing is sin. And sin, when it gets done with you, it kills you. It destroys you. Okay? But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. I want to give you life. Don't, don't take death when you can have life. He told the people one time, he said, why will you die? Why are you allowing things into your life that's out to kill you? Why are you allowing things? See, the problem is we don't see it. We don't see it. It's like, it's like if you got a spot uh, on your hand or I knew a man one time that had a little mole and uh, there are people that get these things. Some, sometimes they're called melanomas. And they don't think anything about it. Just a little spot, no big deal, you know. Or just a little mole, no big deal. But the one man that I know of, his became a root of cancer all throughout his body. So that little thing grew to be a big thing, a dangerous thing killer and it eventually did kill him there are people as I said that will get a spot and it will be a melanoma and it will eventually become a deadly cancer if it's not properly addressed in the earliest stages you know they tell you when it comes to cancer that it's the early detection that is the most helpful to defeating it and they even claim that the best way outside of God's divine healing, the best way to defeat cancer is to starve it to death. Cancer feeds on something in your body and it can be starved to death. Certain things can be cut off and it will cause that cancer to die in your system where it won't kill you. Well, I'm telling you that that's what Jesus said about sin and about a sinful lifestyle, about this whole entire system that the Bible calls the beast, the system of the beast. And this beast-like system that is showing itself stronger and stronger in this day and hour in which we live, where there's much more rebellion there's much more of an attitude to be disrespectful. Now, you know, I've got alumni sitting here from our academy. And we've had, we're, this August, we will start our 30, I believe it's our 34th, I have to check it, our 35th year, maybe 35th year of the academy. That's a pretty healthy investment of life and time and energy and prayers and so on and so forth. Well, there are alumni sitting here that when we had them in our academy, they were very respectful 
They were teenagers. They were kids, yes. But they were respectful. They just, it was in them. It was just a, something, I want to say, innate or inbred in their system that was there, that, that they were respectful. They wouldn't, they wouldn't talk back to leadership. They wouldn't pop off and be smart aleck. They wouldn't be willfully disobedient. They wouldn't be sneaky, underhanded. You know, I had somebody call me the other day, and they got very, very ugly with me and raging at me and trying to catch me. And I said, um, after a while, I said, it just hit me. And I said, are you recording this? And the person said, yes, I am. And I'm like, I don't want you recording this. Well, it's an app in my phone. You know? And this is the kind of world we're living in. Dishonest. Sneaky. Full of guile. Jesus looked at a man and said, behold, an Israelite Indeed, in whom is no guile, there's no deceit in this man or woman. There's no fraudulent characteristics in this person. They are real. They're who they say they are. They're up front with you. Do you know if in the time of Hitler, if they would have had cell phones with Apps like that one. I have this app that I can record. Do you realize how many more people would have been slaughtered? And there was six million slaughtered at that. Do you realize there was an there was an atmosphere of suspicion and betrayal during that time? And children were turning in parents. Oh yeah. Then the Nazis would show up, and they would take the parents away. And you'd never hear from them again. They tell me that down in South America, there's a group that's been labeled the disappeared one. Because they come, and they take them, and you never hear from them again. You never see them again. We're living in a very underhanded, sneaky, dishonest, world, and every day getting more and more that way. You hear me? And kids are coming up, and there are spirits in the environment. You know, you don't have to do anything active to get the flu, or find, you, you wake up one morning and you got blow my nose, or my throat is scratchy, you know, there's something in the air, right? And it gets in through your sinuses. And it gets you that wonderful perpetual drip. <laughs> and it's draining down the back of your, because everything's connected. It's like canals. It's all connected. And pretty soon it's, and you know, water flows downhill. So path of least resistance. So pretty soon that watery substance is going right down your throat. And, and because of what is in that substance, it's irritating your throat and your throat gets red and scratchy. 
Okay? That's why I recommend gargling with Listerine, the original kind. It works good for me. Anyway, so I'm saying that there are things, church family, in the environment, things that you do not see. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? But we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and rulers in high places. That's what your Bible says. That's what we're wrestling against. Things you can't see with your natural eyes, okay? And then Bible talks in 1 Peter about when there came such an excellent voice from glory and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want to be a son. You want to be a son or daughter of God. That God fills you with the Holy Ghost and he dwells in you and he's well pleased. You want to hear that excellent voice from glory that directs you away from chaos, that directs you away from trouble and raging raft, uh, whitewater rafting places, <laughs> you know, and uh, gets you out of that mess, that upheaval, that steers you around the potholes of life and helps you when you find yourself as one place said, Satan has come up in thy face. Come up right in your grill. You want God to be there. You want to hear that voice. You want to be able to call on him and hear him answer. When your child grows up and hits those difficult years of the, the rapids, and you're trying to ride through the rapids with your child, and then you, that's when you're getting payback because now you know what your mom or dad felt like when you were a teenager, <laughs> right? I told one of mine one time, giving me a hard time. He was driving and I was in the seat off to the right, of course. And we were coming from South Bay. And I said, all right, okay. I said, just remember something. I said, one day you're going to sit where I'm sitting. And your child's going to be driving. And I said, and you're going to be struggling to come up with the answer that will satisfy the storm that's going on next to you and to come up with the answer that will calm the troubled sea. Just remember, that day's coming. And I'm saying, church family, it'll come. You have children, it will come. You'll find out that after a while, they pass a certain line, and they're not children anymore. They're adults. And they, shall we say, they've earned the right to face the consequences of their actions, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And at some point, it's like a man, a preacher, that I know, and I preached for him. And he had a lake on this property, and on the property where the church was. And he, his son went swimming in the lake, and he developed a problem out there in the middle of the lake, probably a cramp or something. And the dad was walking by, and he saw it, and he realized the child was flailing, 
the kid was about 15, and he was just flailing, and he jumped in the water, and he swam out there to the child, young man, teenager, and tried to calm him down to bring him back to shore. And the young man panicked, and, and he, was, he acted like he was angry, and he was just flailing, and he was hitting his dad. And so finally his dad just popped him one in an attempt to, to bring him to his senses. But it didn't do any good. It was amazing the strength that was coming from this boy until he almost drowned the dad. And the dad was completely out of strength, and he was going under. He finally just had to let him go. Had to let him go. Boy died. Boy drowned. The dad barely made it back to shore. Can you imagine the, the tremendous emotional pain that he suffered from that experience? And the Bible talked about pulling people out of the fire. The Bible talked about in doing so, you save a soul from death. Everybody said amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise All right, don't you, don't you. <laughs> My little partner there, thank you. All right. So, I'm saying to you, what voice are you listening to this morning? What voice are you listening to? Eve, the mother of all living. On Mother's Day, Eve is uh, in the garden. And... Next thing you know, she spots a serpent. This is this serpent's going to be a little different because this serpent begins to talk. Okay, there's room over here, guys. You can come right around. This serpent begins to talk. This serpent begins to speak to her, and unfortunately. Eve listened. That was her mistake. She listened to, the, to that voice. And that voice had come to tell her and inspire her to do everything opposite what God was saying. I tell you, if God says go to the right, the devil's going to say go left. If God says stand up, the devil's going to say sit down. Whatever God says, he is anti-God, against God. He is against Jesus Christ. And so that's when the devil said, through the serpent, hath God said? He was questioning. He was interjecting doubt. He was trying to change things. Oh God, that didn't mean that. That's open to interpretation. And so on and so forth. Until finally, he got her to looking at something she shouldn't have looked at. Okay? Come here, uh, AJ. We've got a spot. Move your body. She shouldn't have, she started looking at something she shouldn't have looked at. And I'm telling you, this world is producing things and wants you to look at it, that you don't need to look at it. You hear me? And your kids don't need to be looking at it. And pretty soon, 
he started saying, Ooh, that's good to look upon. Something started changing in Eve's thinking. Something that at one time she wouldn't have anything to do with now. Now, gotten hold of her. You know the word addicted is in the Bible. And she was getting addicted. To the point that she started partaking of the very thing that God positively said, don't, don't partake of that. Don't, don't have anything to do with that. Because in the day you do, thou shalt surely die. And I know, I'm telling you, I know, that when Eve partook of that fruit, and don't say apple, because the Bible doesn't say that. You heard about the guy that went over to that part of the world and wanted to prove that there was no God. So he planted apple trees, and he was going to prove that apple trees couldn't grow in that part of the world. And so, hello, and so he planted a bunch of apple trees, and then somebody pointed out to him after he'd spent several hundred thousand dollars that the Bible never said it was an apple. How the devil makes fools out of people. How he makes fools out of people. How many times I've heard people say things and they're saying the Bible said and it's not in there. It's absolutely not in there. But they're convinced in their mind. And Eve got convinced good to look upon. I like that. And as she partook of it, because, I am telling you, I know that because she didn't keel over and die instantaneously, there's that comes up inside of a person in their mind and says, you're getting away with it. You're getting away with it. Everything's okay. Okay. You know, there are things that are start out very slowly. The Bible talked about the little foxes that spoil the vine. And they come and they take something small. And then they take, kind of like you and I with the cookies or the candy. You know, we got the great big old bag, right? We keep on after a while. We, oh, there's nothing left. You know, a little at a time, right? And and the foxes come along and they they take a grape and they take another grape and they take another grape. They're taking fruit out of your life. They're taking things that are important, things that are valuable, godly things. They begin to steal those things out of your life until you realize there's nothing left. It's empty. It's gone. And that's what happened with Eve. Eve found herself in an altered state of mind. And things were being introduced to her mind that before she had nothing to do with those things at all. But she wasn't satisfied. She had to pull her husband into it. You know, that's how the devil works. He, he gets a hold of somebody. They never want it to just be them. They always want to influence somebody else. We've often said backsliders never have anything good to say. 
They're backslidden their heart. They've gone away backwards. They've backed up on the word of God. And their, their zeal for God has gone down. Their involvement in the church has gone down. And uh, so we've got Adam involved. And uh, next thing you know, both of their minds are thinking differently. They're going places they shouldn't have gone. They're looking at things they shouldn't have been looking at. They're partaking of things they shouldn't have been partaking of. And all these things, you know, they're feeling empowered. They're feeling empowered. It's okay. And of course, there's always going to be somebody around called preacher, some preacher, Bible calls him a porter, that they're going to say, come over here. Somebody actually told Brother and Sister Williams one time that they could leave here and go somewhere else because over where they were at, then they could have a baby. And we're like, who, who said you couldn't have a baby? <laughs> you know? And uh, it's crazy how sometimes people think. But there are people that will come on over here. You can do this, and you can do this. That mean old senior pastor, he won't let you do this, this, and that. But you can do it over here. Has God said? Oh, yeah. What voice are you listening to? What direction are you facing? What are you looking at? What are you partaking of? You know, I when I first came into church, we lived in an apartment. And um, behind the apartment was something that would be considered almost obsolete today, old-fashioned. But back then, some of you probably old enough to remember, they had drive-in theaters. Anybody remember a drive-in theater? A few of you, okay, that's right. And what it meant was you'd drive your car in, and you'd pull up next to a portable speaker that you could take and hang on your window, and you'd look at the big screen, you know, and... uh well, this place behind us, it wasn't doing too good. You know, people weren't going. And so, a preacher, so-called, false prophet, got a hold of it. And uh, he uh, wanted to turn it into a church. And so people would pull up, they'd put the speaker, he's up on the stage, and he would so-called preach to them. And then, if you took Christ, as your personal savior, blink your lights. <laughs> blink your lights. Yeah, telling you the truth. Right behind where we live. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that's funny, but let me update it for you. Let me bring you into the 21st century. Okay? Mother's Day 2014. Let me, what's that, the 10th, right? May 10th. Let me bring you right up to stuff, right up to date, right, right here, right now. Now, now you go on social media. Yeah. And you don't have to come to church like the Bible teaches. You don't have to assemble yourselves together like the Bible teaches. Hath God said? Oh, no, now you can sit down. Bring me the peanuts, honey. Hey, where's the popcorn? Come on, bring me my drink or I want a big gulp. And be quiet, because we go to church now. 
kick him back, get the recliner just right, got the pillow just right, got my feet up, oh yeah. And, uh, and don't forget to have everything ready because after a while, they're going to ask us, you know, if we got saved, we got to be ready to become an online member. Oh, yeah. Online member. Just another way of blinking your lights. That's all it is. Just another way of blinking your lights. You don't have to be bothered then to get dressed. Go to church. You don't have to be bothered then, you know, to get involved. You don't have to go down there and sing. And lift your hands and be a participator. You just kick back with popcorn. Peanuts, popcorn. How about a hot dog, huh? You can just you can just get the live stream. You can have that live stream. I'm gonna get the living stream. Amen. I'm gonna get that river that flows through the house of God. Amen and amen. Give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. So, tell me, what voice are you listening to? What voice are you listening to? Even Adam, they listened to the wrong voice. They listened to the wrong voice. And it turned them in the wrong direction. It influenced them. Voices are influential. So you got to be very selective. You know. And and we don't want to admit that there are people that are afraid of God. Now here comes the Lord. Number one, he's walking on the water. I like the fact that God can get to you no matter where you're at. There's no, there's nothing that you can invent or imagine that God can't do. Nothing. Except sin. Other than that, God can do it. He comes walking on the water. And he tells them, peace, peace be unto you. He didn't bring war. He didn't bring quarreling. He didn't bring argument. He could have upbraided them about a bunch of things. I said, peace. He said, why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? He began to rebuke the storm, just like he did in Genesis chapter 1. His spirit began to move upon the face of the deep, and he began to put order. You want God to put order in your life, and he does it by his power and his authority, his voice that excellent voice that comes from glory, and you want him to maintain that in your life all the days of your life. You do not want to, as one preacher did, did this to me, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear truth. He didn't want to hear a truthful answer. Him was supposed to be a preacher of truth. Think about that. <laughs> it was kind of comical in some ways. I am saying to you, you don't need to be afraid of truth. 
You don't need to be afraid of the power of God. Because some people must be afraid of the power of God. That's all I can say. Because, you know, they don't, they're more comfortable on a plush couch being an online member or blinking their lights at the drive-in, you know, instead of coming and assembling together and saying, God, I'm here. I'm absolutely here. And I, I want you to know that I'm here. And I've come to get... You know, I asked my pastor, I was very new in the Lord, and a brand new baby, and I asked him, I said, what's the most you've ever fasted? How What's the most days you've ever fasted? And he said, who was counting? He said, you're, you're not trying to get anybody's attention except God's. <laughs> oh, get the motive right here. Let's, let's know what we're about. Let's get this straight. The devil wants to get things started in your life. And you know what? Those things are not going to stay small. He just wants to introduce something small, seemingly small, into your life. Just a little mole, just a little spot, just a, maybe a little virus, just a little bacteria, just something small. But it's not going to stay small. Once the devil gets his foot in the door, he is going to push the door with more force, open wider and wider and wider and wider. Once the devil, party, once the devil starts pushing you back, he's going to keep pushing you, and he's going to keep pushing you, and he's going to keep pushing you. That's what he does. That's what he does. It's the nature of the enemy. It's a characteristic of it. You know, at some point, you've got to make a stand. At some point, you've got to put your foot down. Some point, you've got to call on the Lord. And whosoever is going to do that shall be saved. He'll deliver you out of your, your situation. Out of the grips of the Spirit. He's got a hold of you. That's perverting your thinking and robbing you of every good thing. Every time we're trying to put something good in you, you better know the devil's trying to take it out. And when he takes it out, he's going to replace it with something nasty. You know, let's face it. They had a group come to town here, you know, years ago, and uh, the mayor' son was getting his club going. Actually, said that we need a good, clean club. Good, clean club. Let me tell you the devil's definition of a good, clean club. Brought in a group, and their title song was. Nasty as you want to be. And brother, what I read in the paper, they were nasty. They were nasty. But then that's where 
we want all the young people to come to our, our nice little club. You know? You're not, you're not gonna, and hey, they were, uh, there were people I know, and I'm not calling their names, but there were people I know, and people that I tried to counsel, people tried, that I tried to help and pray for. And you know what? No names. But you know, they just kept on, and kept on, and kept on, until that son of theirs, who was spoiled and indulged, they acted like he could never do anything wrong and never had to be corrected until he molested numerous young ladies at the school that he worked at. He's in jail right now. I've seen his broken-hearted mother. I've seen his broken-hearted father. You hear me? You do not want to listen to the wrong voice. You do not want to look in the wrong direction. You do not want to partake of the wrong thing. You don't want to do that. You want to hear that excellent voice. Such a voice, the scripture says, that comes from glory. That one that I read to you from Psalm 29. What a voice, friend. He can shake the trees. He can divide the waters. He can divide the flames. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will walk through fire to get to you. You hear me? He, he, <laughs> I remember when he went with us into that in, intensive care and everything there was closing in on us. God walked with us in there. And now Brother Small walks in here. You hear me? Amen. Amen. And my only regret about that whole situation is that I didn't take a bunch of selfies. I should have took all kinds of pictures of him in that intensive care unit. All them wires and tubes and everything else. And let you have seen the before and the after that we saw. Oh, friend, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will get to you. He'll bring his voice to you. You better ask yourself, who am I listening to? Who's directing my life? Who's influencing my life and my children's life? Who's doing that? As parents, grandparents, you have a responsibility to communicate the Word of God and the truth of God to your children. And it can't just get communicated verbally. The word in the Bible is conversation. That is lifestyle. The kind of life you're living. Be thou an example, the Bible said, of the believer. Be an example of it. Be an example of it. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I got to quit. Let's stand together. God love your heart. But I could preach another hour right now. Paul said, I, I tell you now, even weeping. We're headed for some places. 
headed for some places. We're going to be in the rapids. We're going to be in tribulation to the point that it will escalate to be great tribulation. Oh, yes, there's plenty of preachers out there to tell you we're not going through that. Pass the popcorn. Blink the lights. You know, become an online member. I remember one organization took away the word of God and it was in thousands of cities. Took it away and replaced it with social media which has flopped. It's done nothing. It's a joke. The devil wants to substitute every fake and phony and plastic and spiritual Spiritless thing for the real thing. And you're going to stand around and biting your fingers down to your elbow because you're scared that Jesus is coming towards your boat. <laughs> He's coming to calm the storm. He's coming to put peace in your life. But the devil's telling you, you don't want that authority. You don't want him telling you what to do. Well, I got news for you. I know she's dead now, her and her husband both, but they were laborers to a foreign field in Africa for over 40 years. And, uh, and they, were, uh, they were in a service. People had come, walked many, many, many miles. They were dusty and dirty and tired thirsty when they got there, but they got there to hear all things commanded thee of God. And the woman told us, she said, she looked at them in their condition, and she said, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? And finally she said, tell me what to do, God. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Oh, that's a good place to get to. And that's when God began to minister miraculously. Miraculously. That's when they brought, they brought a child. It looked like a child. It wasn't a child, but it looked. It brought a childlike something to him. And he's in the pulpit. And they bring it up to the front. And he looked at it and he goes, What? Is that? And what that was, was a woman who was completely twisted and gnarled till she didn't rec look, resemble a human being. And so I remember the, the preacher's wife saying, so he just cast the devil out of her and God healed her and everything was right. Just like that. You know? Just like that. How quickly God can make things right. How quickly God can change a heart. How quickly God can speak peace in your storm. You get a little cooperation about you. Be willing to say, God, tell me what to do. I want to change my attitude. I called Brother Lewis. I told him, I said, I know you're standing. I called Brother, I am too. I called Brother Lewis and I said, what was that you said again? I, I, I want to make sure I got it right. 
He said, he said, oh, he said, that was, um, do you smell yourself yet? Oh, I like that. I actually had a young man in the church that played the drums. And uh, he was getting ready before church. He was, like I was telling you, the tune-up. You know, he was getting things ready and fixing the cymbals and bass pedal just right and getting everything just right. And uh, all of a sudden, he, man, man, what is that smell? And he was just, just horrible. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. He told it himself, on himself. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, it's your spirit. It's your spirit. It's your attitude. You know, if you listen to the wrong voice, pretty soon, you know, what you used to come to church and be so happy, just, you know, go through the prayer room and come on up and just come bouncing into the service and just excited and just want to have church and want to sing and want to shout, maybe even make a run around. And you don't see, like Ephraim said, that he had gray hair and he knew it not. You don't see, you don't know what's taking place in your life. Because you listen to the wrong voice. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're partaking the wrong thing. And it's pushing its way in more and more and more. When you go to school or college, you go there, or your job, you go there knowing I'm a Holy Ghost-filled person. I'm not here to learn their ways. I just got delivered from their ways. I've got purpose. I've got direction. You know, I'm in the church. I'm going to heaven. Not going there to learn their their ways and their habits and attain, uh, wind up uh, having their attitudes. I want infected with that stuff. That? I want that at all. You know who you are, who you're called to be. Man, God's given you the whole garden. You got to protect your garden. Give God a big hand. Come on. You better sing. Come on. Come on now. Yeah, Lord. You got the best thing anybody could ever have. Such a voice, such a voice from heaven. You are a 